A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state? The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. I'm glad you've joined the program today. Now, I know I said yesterday we were going to be talking with uh, Rebecca Schmoy of DC Project, who is also running for state representative in the state of Kansas. I uh, had some technical issues, but uh, we're going to get Rebecca on the program on uh, probably Tuesday of next week. But do not fret. We have a lot to talk about, uh, including <laughs> the Associated Press's. I mean, look, we know the media bias against gun ownership and against the right to keep their arms is real. It is omnipresent almost in every story that you read. Uh, in this Associated Press piece on the, uh, the current state of the gun control debate is no exception. Starting with the headline. Uh, after Supreme Court ruling, it's open season on U.S. gun laws. Yeah, I suppose, you know, maybe a, a, another way of putting it. Well, there are lots of other ways to put it other than it's open season on gun laws. How about uh, constitutionally dubious laws targeted by Second Amendment groups? Uh, the bias continues uh, on in the uh, opening statement as well from the Associated Press, uh, which writes that the Supreme Court ruling expanding gun rights threatens to upend firearm restrictions across the country as activists wage court battles over everything from bans on AR-15 style guns to age limits. Yeah threatens to upend firearm restrictions across the country. Again, the word threatens. How about promises? <laughs> I mean, that's that's a more positive term, right? Threatens implies, that, oh, these valuable things are at risk because of this uh, Supreme Court decision, which again implies bias on the part of the Associated Press. Um, I also have to take issue with a couple of the quotes that were used here. Not that they made stuff up, uh, but when you look at the quotes from the pro-Second Amendment side that they spoke to and then the anti-Second Amendment side that they spoke to, I I'm sure they talked with Evan Knappen, for example, for, for longer than a sentence or two. Uh, and yet this is the, uh, the, the, the quote that they pulled. Uh, writing the first major gun decision in more than a decade, the ruling could dramatically reshape gun laws in the U.S., even as a series of horrific mass shootings pushes the issue back into the headlines. And then here's Evans' quote. The gun rights movement has been given a weapon of mass destruction, and it will annihilate approximately 75% of the gun laws eventually. And again, I'm sure that Evan had a lot to say. I also find it very interesting that the only time he's quoted is when he's talking about the Bruin decision being a weapon of mass destruction for unconstitutional gun control laws. Of course, that's not necessarily what the quote was, right? It's just now a uh, <clears throat> weapon of mass destruction. I'm sure the Associated Press was happy to run with that. Uh, meanwhile, Jonathan Lowey, the uh, chief counsel and vice president of uh, the gun control group Brady, says, uh, quote, we will see a lot of tax dollars and government resources that should be used to stop gun crime being used to defend gun laws that are life-saving and wildly popular. Oh, wildly popular. And life-saving, which is why violent crime has continued to increase after, uh, you know, say to Colorado, for instance, suppose universal background checks, a magazine ban, violent crime has gone up almost every year since, Baltimore, Maryland, after the passage of the Maryland Firearm Safety Act in 2013, has not gone with less than 300 homicides uh, since 2015. 
all of the gun control laws put on the books in Maryland with the promise that they would save lives. And again, Baltimore has gone, we're what, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 20. We're now on pace for an eighth straight year of more than 300 plus homicides in Baltimore, Maryland. Homicides, by the way, were going down in Baltimore before they passed the Maryland Firearm Safety Act. Some of these provisions may be popular, but that doesn't make them constitutional. It certainly doesn't make them uh, life-saving. But again, uh, I just think that there's a little bit of selection bias here on the part of the Associated Press in terms of the quotes that are given. Uh, Lowey went on to say, quote, basically, the Supreme Court has given an invitation for the gun lobby to file lawsuits against virtually every gun law in America. Well, no, not really. I mean, look... (laughs) We have the right to file lawsuits against any law in America, regardless of what the Supreme Court has said. What Lowry is really complaining about, I mean, we had the Heller case, right, that was filed in U.S. District Court before the Supreme Court had said anything about the right to keep and bear arms being an individual right, at least the last time they said something about the Second Amendment since Miller in 1939. But, But that didn't stop Dick Heller and Alan Gura from filing suit, challenging the handgun ban. The idea that, well, the Supreme Court is just now, you're giving the green light to all these things. Look, I think we would continue to see court challenges. I think just now the odds are in our favor uh, because the Supreme Court has said you can't use this BS two-step test that uh, you know first sees if the Second Amendment is implicated and then whether or not it's okay to infringe upon the rights of uh, law-abiding citizens because the government says, well, we've got a public safety interest in doing so. Oh, okay, that's fine. That, that's, that's what Lowry's bothered by. The fact that the Supreme Court has said not, hey, you can challenge any of these gun laws, because again, you could already do that. It's the fact that the Supreme Court has said in order for these gun control laws to be upheld as constitutional, that you've got to find some sort of historic analog to the gun law in question that was in place, that was longstanding. That not necessarily widespread, but you can't look for little outlier laws, right? You can't find some law that was on the books in a uh, New Mexico territory for three years and then say, aha, that gives me the right to impose this nationwide gun ban. Not that you'd even be able to find a ban on commonly owned firearms in New Mexico territory in the 1800s. That's the real issue for Lowry, is that the Supreme Court has said, you've got to start treating the Second Amendment as a real right. And of course... Brady and other gun control groups have been arguing for decades that it's not a real right. And any sort of infringement that they can come up with is not only common sense, quote unquote, but completely constitutional, right? Uh, the Associated Press tries to reassure its uh, anti-gun readers uh, by noting that despite the fact that we're seeing all these challenges, quote, not all of these lawsuits will necessarily be successful. The Texas Attorney General, for example, argues that the Supreme Court ruling doesn't affect the state's age limit law, and more state and local governments can certainly defend their gun laws as being in line with U.S. history. Adam Skaggs, chief counsel and policy director of the Giffords Law Center to Prevent Gun Violence, predicted that when the dust settles, only laws, quote, along the margins will eventually be struck down, saying, quote, most judges are going to see these for what they are, which is overreaching and lacking in any merit. I think Skaggs is wrong. And I think I, I, I think that he is um, just kind of whistling past the graveyard right now of uh, gun control laws because the Bruin decision is not just going to impact things at the margin. I, I mean, look, overturning 
New York's may issue laws itself is not something that nibbles at the margin of our right to keep and bear arms. This is something that the gun control movement has declared has been necessary, vitally important. The ability for police or uh, the courts to arbitrarily decide who is worthy of exercising that right to bear arms in self-defense in public. And the Supreme Court has said, no, actually, you can't use those sort of subjective opinions and determinations without violating people's constitutional rights. Already, the Bruin case is attacking head on uh, one of the, uh, the, the, the fundamental aspects of the gun control movement. But when Skaggs says that uh, most judges are going to see these lawsuits for what they are, overreaching and lacking any merit, I, I think that's actually what the judges are going to find <laughs> these gun control laws are all about overreaching, lacking in any merit, lacking in any sort of historic analog, and frankly, uh, aimed at legal law-abiding Americans and trying to chill the exercise of their right to keep their arms rather than focusing on violent criminals. You know, it's funny that uh, Jonathan Lowey of Brady said that, oh, it's just going to mean that, you know, money that should be spent on policing is going to be spent instead defending these uh, gun control laws. Well, listen, you can take these gun control laws off the books. You can spend that money on policing, although you might want to talk to your friend Shanna Watts, a Monster Man Action, because, uh, you know, she says that police violence is gun violence. So I don't know why you guys would want to be funding the police at all, I, you know, given your uh, <clears throat> political uh, predilections there. The uh, Associated Press, despite, you know, trying to reassure its readers that, well, some of these laws are going to be, with, with, uh, you know, upheld, ultimately cannot get around the fact that the Bruin case is already um, having some impact here. They point to this uh, decision by a U.S. district judge in Colorado last month, uh, granted a temporary injunction against the town of Superior's ban on so-called assault weapons, which uh, the Associated Press says was a, uh, quote, rosy sign for gun rights groups, noting that the judge was uh, nominated by Barack Obama, said that he was sympathetic to the town's goal of preventing mass shootings, but he also said that he didn't know of any, quote, historical precedent for a law banning a type of weapon that is commonly used by law-abiding citizens for lawful purposes. And then he, again, granted that injunction, blocking the superior gun ban from taking effect. Why would that not uh, rationale be applied to a so-called assaultman's ban in California or New York or Maryland? or even the bill passed by the House last week. And again, why would a judge, what evidence is there that Adam Skaggs could point to from Giffords or Jonathan Lowey Brady? What evidence is there that they could point to that these types of bans have in fact been common, they have been widespread, they have been longstanding throughout U.S. history, not just over the past couple of decades in a handful of states, but again, across the entirety of the country, dating back to 1791, including the uh, uh, ratification debate over the 14th Amendment post-Civil War, where were those gun bans? Where, where, where was the ban in 1791 on uh, the uh, uh, repeating air rifle <laughs> that was in use or the, or the puckle gun? There wasn't one. Uh, where was the ban in the 1870s on the Winchester repeating rifle or the Henry repeating rifle? You know, you could load on Sunday and shoot all week. Where, where were the 
uh, calls to ban those guns or to restrict the magazine capacity. You can't find it. You can't find it. The Associated Press uh, kind of revisits Evan Knappen's quote about a uh, weapon of mass destruction uh, by uh, ending their piece, citing uh, Taylor Rhodes, executive director of Rocky Mountain Gun Owners, uh, who called the Bruin decision, quote, a four-ton wrecking ball. Now, again, what Taylor Rhodes is talking about is a four-ton wrecking ball against these laws that infringe on our constitutional rights. But the Associated Press, and of course, anti-gun politicians and gun control groups, are going to try to portray this uh, this decision, the Brew decision, as a four-ton wrecking ball against public safety. And I think it's really important that uh, we as gun owners push back against that, not only acknowledging uh, and, and talking about the rise in violent crime in states that have passed all kinds of gun control laws, but also in terms of talking about how these gun control laws get in the way law-abiding people being able to protect themselves and what happens when people are, in fact, able to exercise their right of armed self-defense. To that end, let's get to today's armed citizen story. Our good deed of the day and our recidivist report. We will start there with a uh, story out of Colorado. A suspect in a Denver murder was out of probation and multiple warrants out of El Paso County at the time of the shooting. Uh, and there are a couple of angles to this here. First of all, the uh, the shooting in question uh, took place at a public park in Denver, Colorado, back uh, just a couple of days ago, July twentieth. July twentieth was when the shooting took place. Now, Denver uh, is trying to ban the lawful carrying of firearms in public parks because they're deeming them to be sensitive places. They aren't adding cops to parks. They're not increasing, they're not putting metal detectors up at entrances to parks. They're just saying, well, you can't bring a gun there because it's a sensitive place, because there are families there, there are kids there. Yeah, there are also violent criminals who show up. Uh, in this case, uh, a murder suspect uh, named Alejandro Blanco, who is a Cuban national. Uh, according to court documents, a witness says that Blanco said to a group of four men sitting at a picnic table at Elyria Park in Denver, I'm going to kill all of you. On July 20th, he then is accused of pulling out a gun, firing two shots into the group and uh, striking one man, uh, 41-year-old Sergio Ordonez Valencia, in the neck, killing him. KRDO in Colorado Springs says at the time of the shooting, Blanco was serving 18-month probation and 30-month community correction sentences after pleading guilty in 2020 to aggravated motor vehicle theft. Since he was sentenced, his probation officers actually tried to revoke his probation on three separate occasions alleging violations of his probation. One complaint was filed back in February, another in April, and another in June. Blanco didn't show up for the court hearings uh, in April. He didn't show up for a court hearing in July 21st, the day after the shooting that took place at that park. Uh, he was eventually detained, however, in March and in May, late May, May 28th, on failure to appear warrants. So after those warrants were issued and after he was taken into custody, after his probation uh, officer says he's been violating probation time and time again, why was his probation not revoked? Why was Blanco not sent to prison for violating the terms of his probation? Don't have an answer. But we do know that when he could have been behind bars, he was instead out on the streets perfectly willing to disobey all kinds of gun control laws on the books in Denver, as well as, you know, the law against homicide, allegedly. 
And again, another gun control fail in Colorado. Now, today's armed citizen story. From Indianapolis, Indiana, where police say a 16-year-old was shot and killed after trying to rob two individuals in their car. Uh, The teen, according to police, part of a group of individuals who had targeted uh, uh, two people who were sitting in the car. This was uh, just before 4.30 uh, in the morning. I guess this was uh, Tuesday morning. Uh, No, Wednesday morning, excuse me. Uh, And uh, the homeowner's daughter uh, and her boyfriend say they were sitting in their car when at least two suspects yanked open a car door, tried to rob them at gunpoint. Uh, One of the individuals in the car had a gun of their own and fired at uh, one of these suspects who was hit. When police arrived, they uh, identified the deceased as 16-year-old Amani Presswood. Police say he was armed with a gun uh, when they found him. Police also found bullet holes in the uh, vehicle, outside the vehicle, indicating that the second suspect may have fired at the car uh, as they were running away. Uh, Indianapolis Metropolitan Police Sergeant Frank Wooten says the victims of an apparent robbery defended themselves, and now we have one deceased male. Uh, Neighbors, meanwhile, say they don't blame the armed citizens one bit. Marlon Smith says it's just crazy out here, so you have to protect yourself. He said you have to do what you have to do because these last few months have been hectic out here. Fox 59 reporting that uh, this is the second time in less than a week that there has been a fatal defensive gun use. Uh, Last week, a homeowner shot and killed a man during a home invasion. We will uh, continue to follow the uh, details of the story and let you know any more uh, updates. But again, as of right now, this looks like a clear-cut case of self-defense. Don't expect any charges to be filed against the individuals who were defending themselves. But hopefully that second suspect is uh, apprehended and uh, charged with the attempted armed robbery. And who knows, maybe even the death of his compatriot. Now, finally today, our good deed of the day in the right place at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing. A code enforcement officer in Sacramento, California, who uh, was in the right place at the right time and able to help some kids and their grandmother escape a burning home. Uh, this happened uh, just a couple of days ago. Sacramento Code Enforcement Officer uh, Gennady Marmayenko was just driving by and saw the fire. So he stopped, ran towards the flames. Uh, meanwhile, the homeowner wasn't there, is on the phone with one of his kids. He's got four kids. 10, 8, 7, and 3, and they were at home with their grandmother. Uh, John Zong said, my son called me, said, Dad, Dad, the house is on fire. So Dad's on the phone with his 10-year-old. Meanwhile, uh, Mama Yinko sees what's going on. He runs up to the front door. He says, there's a lot of smoke. Shooting through the roof, fire started to spread over the rooftop. He said, the next thing I see is a kid coming out of the house. The next thing I see, there are kids behind him, little kids. Uh, with Marmayenko's help, the kids and their grandmother were both able to, all able to get out, not both, all able to get out. Uh, he says his greatest fear was wondering if there was anybody still inside. And he said, I think the older boy, around 10, described as like, yeah, this is everyone, this is everyone, there's nobody else in the house. Unfortunately, the house was destroyed. It's unbelievable. And uh, John Zahn isn't sure what is next for his family. He says kids are getting ready to start school. He says, I'm concerned about my kids looking for a place to stay. And I, I wish him the best. I hope that the community responds uh, in the uh, same fashion that uh, uh, Gennady Marmayenko responded. Uh, but losing your possessions, losing the roof over your head, while that is traumatic, that is life-changing, at least John Zong can put his head on a pillow at night 
somewhere, knowing that his four kids are okay. In part, again, thanks to the uh, quick thinking of uh, Gennady Marmienko there in Sacramento, California. Now, that is all the time we've got for you on this edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company. I do want to thank you for being a part of the program today, and I hope that you enjoy your weekend because we won't talk to you again like this until Monday. But, of course, we'll be updating BearingArms.com Friday, Saturday, Sunday, all day long to make sure that you are caught up with the latest Second Amendment news and information that you need to know about. If you like what you see, you can always become a VIP subscriber as well. Just go to BearingArms.com slash subscribe. Use the promo code GUNRIGHTS, and you can get a significant savings on your VIP membership. We're going to give you exclusive content, too. Stories and analysis you won't find anywhere else because your support does matter. It really does make a difference. And we want to say thanks for your support. So thanks for your support. Like I said, enjoy your weekend. We'll be back again very soon. Until we speak, be well, be safe, and be free.